Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough, the author of Haunting Investigation, which was released very late last month. Quinn, welcome. Thank you. And, and you know, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, especially considering I just finished literally this morning the second book in the series. Ah, well, how exciting. So let's – well, first we <laughs> want to talk about the first book in the series. And what's with this very unusual release date of December 31st? You'd have to talk to Paul, who's the publisher. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just, I just figure publishers know what they're doing. If you know, and and it, I'm, I'm assuming there is some, you know, some good marketing reason for it because he's a very clever fellow. So you know. Well, it does sort of make sense as a New Year's Eve book, uh, but let's first let's let's talk about the the general. We'll, we'll talk in general about the book, then get into the the two primary characters in the book. One of whom is a little bit unusual for a mystery. Yes, yes, he is, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> not not your every average everyday sidekick. No, he's not. But the books the book takes place in the early nineteen twenties. Uh, so it's a historical, yep. historical mystery. There's a lot of rich, evocative setting information in there. It, it's it's fun to read. But give us a little sense of the storyline, if you would, Quinn. Okay, um, I have a young uh, a young woman who's a reporter, which was very hard for women to be back in 1924, and she comes from the Philadelphia Upper Crust and is working for a second rank um, Philadelphia paper. And um, she gets called in on a crime case, which is what she really wants to do, even though she's been consigned to the um, book, book club and garden party pages. But it turns out that this is an upper-crust upper guy who apparently committed suicide. And because she actually knew him, she gets assigned to it because she can get through doors nobody else in the paper can. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to, you know, actually establish yourself as a crime writer on the on the newspaper rather than, you know, a garden club uh, writer. And in this, she is aided and abetted by uh, someone who knew her father. He, he's an ex-spy for, he was in the First World War, he was a spy for Canada, working, of course, as part of the British Empire. And um, he is uh, a ghost. Okay, so we, we have it. the two lead characters. One is a young woman. The other is a gentleman haunt. A gentleman haunt, is that what we call him? Yes, as, as he introduces himself. He's Chesterton Holt, gentleman haunt. <laughs> and and we get into this right away, so there's no sense of surprise or anything. It's just this is what it is. And then there's this sense of the young woman who's, who, who goes by the name Poppy. Uh, she's not really buying into the whole thing. She thinks that she's just sort of imagining it. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really it's, – it's fun the way you've laid the story out, it, interesting characters. And, and, of course, you've got a good mystery in there as well. Why did you decide to go this way with the book? It sort of it sort of went that way on its own. I've learned to respect when a book knows what it wants to be. It's my job to make it happen as best I can. And um, you know, these guys knew who they were, including the fact that one of them was dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it was sort of like, okay, well, you know, you guys tell me what you want to talk about, and I'll write it down. 
All right. Now you are, you, you mentioned that you've just finished the second book. So we know this is a series. The first book in the series is Haunting Investigations. Uh, and, and as is so often the case for traditionally published authors, you're promoting the first book while you've finished the second book. And, and then we wait oh, yeah. probably a year or so for that to come out. But you are, you're not a one book a year author. You're, you're, let, let's, let's use the word prolific. You've, how many, how many books have yeah. you published? Well, if you count the ones that will be published that I've actually sold, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I've sold 94. <laughs> okay, let's, let's count those, because that's a pretty big well, number. I've been doing this for 48 years. Come on, you know. <laughs> it, it's not quite so, so staggering if you think about, you know, how long I've been doing this. What, what do you think about the, the idea? What would you do if you, just, if, if you could only write one book a year, and, and, you're, and you could only sell one book a year? So... Uh, well, selling one book a year is often a problem. So, yes, I understand that one really well. I guess so, yeah. But, I mean, the idea of uh, – I, I read on your website that it, your production schedule, your writing schedule is roughly four books a year. Mm-hmm. And so – Four book, four books uh, or three, three books and a couple of short stories. Okay. Short stories for me are a lot harder to write than books. I'm glad to hear you say that because I'm in the middle of editing a group of short stories right now, and it's it's, it's a bitch, isn't it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better about myself. Thank you so much for that. So, it, and you not only have written 94 books, I think you've probably written in uh, I don't know how many different genres as well. Every genre that's out there. Well, not quite. I don't write male adventure, and. Um, um, you know, when the the, the, uh, uh, the fad was for bodice rippers, I wouldn't go near them. I just sort of went, you know, you got to be kidding. This is this is fantasy land in a level that I can't go to. <laughs> All right, what you you this is a mystery. You you write western, young adult, science fiction, yep. and you're best known as, uh, for your work as a horror author. Yep, and I was also the first woman to be president of Horror Writers Association. And you won some sort of amazing award from some group in Transylvania. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I've got a literary knighthood in <laughs> in, in Romania. <laughs> what? A, what? A, I'm not kidding. I do. And I, you know, it's one of those things. I, occasionally, I look at it. Fred Saberhagen and I share that that honor, and unfortunately, Fred's no longer with us. But it's one of those things where you look at it and you say. Well, you know, at least in uniqueness, it has it has real conversational value. It, it sticks right out. When when I read that, it it was very very memorable. So when you write, well, let, let me rephrase the question. If if you were a beginning author today, uh, experts would tell you to pick a genre, write a series, and stick with it. Uh, that's obviously well, not what you do. You have done that. You have you have a series with what twenty seven. Right, but one yeah, of them is, is really having written for forty eight years, mm-hmm. you know. So it's um, it's like um, the trouble with the trouble with doing series in one genre only is that when that genre collapses, which they all do periodically mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. time to time, you are stranded. But if you spend a little time, you know, you don't have to you don't have to you know make yourself schizophrenic, but you know, divide off your energies a bit because it means that when when one market collapses, you've still got some place to go. Do your readers follow you f- from from genre to genre? Yeah. 
I, it, it was interesting. I, I always read a few Amazon reviews for people before I do interviews, and I was bouncing around your different books. And I read over and over again, I read all of Quinn's books. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's amazing because they're so different. <laughs> well, I think that's probably one of the reasons they do because I don't know about you, but you know, as much as I may like any given genre, when I get into it, if I'm in it for too long, I begin to get – sort of worn on it. So I will look for things and I go, oh, I know what this is about. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, it doesn't hold my interest. You know, that, that's a good so, point. I, know, I am, I'm t- I totally, I just love the mysteries and thrillers, this, this whole crime genre. But I like to mm-hmm. bounce back and forth between subgenres. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't, you know, if you don't, your, your palate will get jaded and you won't know when you've actually got something that tastes good. Yeah, and you know that's that's a really good point, and it's not something that I realized about myself. But now that you say it, it's that's what's happening when I decide. Oh, I'm going to go look for something like this now, and uh, and then mm-hmm. I'll then I'll spend a few weeks in you know whatever subgenre that might happen to be, and and you know you can slice and dice these genres down pretty fine. Oh yeah, but actually the, the truth is whether people like to admit it or not, every writer, every single one who publishes is a genre of one, which is books by that person. Right. And so if you like books by that person, you probably like whatever genre they write in. Just as if you if you have a real predilection for, for, for really, really um, top of the line anything, whether it's mysteries or westerns or science fiction or fantasy, it doesn't matter, you'll get a sense of what's the good stuff and what isn't. And you'll have to be very careful after a while mm-hmm. not to read the stuff that is going to you know, sort of dull your palate. While you're writing these four books a year, how do you make a decision uh, what the next project is? It usually has to do with talking not only to, to my editors, who sometimes have things they would like me to, to concentrate on and sometimes don't. But, you know, it's sort of like... Uh, which way, um, as it were, the cultural wind seems to be blowing. And I don't mean just pop culture. I mean culture in general. If, you know, for example, one of the things I find interesting, especially about science fiction, and I've written that too, is that I, I look at, you know, they suddenly get a, get a, a photograph from one of the, um, you know, one of the orbiting um, observatories, and they, you see something really, really strange out there. I mean, and the universe is full of strange stuff. And go, you know, there, you know, what can, what, what might be there, and there, you know, then it's easy to find a story because that what might is, if it doesn't set your your brain working, you're not a writer. Well, and it's for someone like you who has has sold ninety four books. Um, it, obviously, coming up with the next story is not not the not the issue. But I could see from a priority standpoint: do I do the next book in this series, or the next book in that series, or what do I do? Well, again, it's a lot of it has to do with you know who wants you know to be very blunt, who wants to pay me money to do right. it? Because occasionally uh-huh. people say, you know, well, we have these two in the pipeline. Now we want to wait. And or we'll have three or we'll have four. It doesn't matter. We have them in the pipeline, so we don't know, we don't know yet. Um, you know what our return is going to be. So why don't you do something else for a little while? <laughs> All right, you've you've lived a fairly interesting life. Uh, Forty eight years as an author. You've done some interesting things. But on your website, which is chelseaquinnyarbrough.net, and I will link to that in the show notes, so you don't have to try and remember it. It'll be in the show notes at crimefiction.fm. Uh, 
you mentioned that you did tarot card reading for a period of time at a magic club in San Francisco. First, I'm intrigued by the idea of magic clubs. I, I just think that's so fascinating. But I've always been interested in tarot card reading. And, and I see it in movies. I see it on television. I read about it in books, but I never really – I don't know what it is. Well, um, you know, basically these are these are sort of archetypal symbols that are put on cards, and you know the person you're reading for uh, selects them in whatever you know method that you know you as a reader per- prefer to do, and um, you look at them and you tell them what they say. Now, occasionally you'll have the experience, and I've had several. I mean, when I was working at the Magic Cellar, we had I would occasionally have really odd experiences, and there was one. Um, I do a three by five reading for a basic short reading. Right. What's um, that, what's that mean? A three by five? Is that like five that means, rows, that three out cards? Of, out, of, out, of, out of a deck of uh, seventy six cards, or, pardon me, seventy eight cards, uh, the person um, shuffles and then cuts into three stacks, and I take the first five cards off of each three stacks, and the one that's closest to the person is the past, the one that's in the middle is the present, and the one that's closest to me is the future. And the card that's in the middle, the one that's, you know, the, the third card of the, the, the middle level, is what the reading is all about, whatever that card may be. And um, all the cards have specific meanings. And the trick is to be able to tell, tell the people what the cards say, not what you think they say or what you think this person will have cards saying, because quite often they're very, very different. There was one occasion... Um, Many years ago, because I haven't done this at the cellar for a long time, uh, the cellar doesn't exist anymore. That would make it very difficult to do readings there. <laughs> um, a woman who was probably in her 40s, and at that point I was in my 30s, um, came over for to the tarot uh, table for a reading. Um, she was very well dressed, but you could tell she didn't often dress that way, and that was sort of you know my my basic impression of her. And um, she. Uh, she followed my instructions. She did the shuffling. She did the cutting, and she put out. You know, I, I took the I took the first five cards off the three stacks, and the pivot card, the one in the middle, uh, was the lovers reversed. Now, that means there are some very real problems in partnerships, and there are some things that need to be resolved that are not being addressed. That's that's as basic, you know, off the top of your head type meaning. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so I told her that, and I looked at it, and I began about things in the past and information that had been given to her that she found not, not appropriate, even though, in, in fact, it has a bearing on what was going on. And when I got to the third card, she said, what about the young man? And I said, well, I don't think there's a young man here. I mean, I was still looking at the cards. I wasn't looking at her. And um, I went on to the next two cards, and she said, but what about the young man I'm going to meet on the trip? <laughs> And again, still looking at the cards, I said, well, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't be going on any trip because it looks like you might be getting into some real professional problems here. And um, she said, they always tell me about the young man I'm going to meet on the trip. <laughs> and I went to myself, aha, okay, this is a fantasy game. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, well, I don't care what they tell you about what this says. There is no man, and in this reading, there is no trip. So she took her Irish coffee and emptied it over my head. Oh. Oh, that's a great story. 
unfortunately is true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you were talking about the, the card with the with the two lovers in it, I was flashing on to a James Bond movie. I don't remember which one it was. I don't know if you've seen it, but it takes place in New Orleans. And it, very early on in the movie, there's a scene with tarot card reader, and that's the, the key yep. card that comes up. And so that's that's what I pictured. So I've seen that a hundred times, and I'm, I'm really glad that you referenced that here. This has been <laughs> this has been a blast. Where can listeners find Haunting Investigation? Well, they can go on Amazon if they want to do the obvious thing. That is and, the or obvious they can go thing. To, or to Cleveland Writers' um, website, Cleveland Writers of the Publishers, and uh, you know you can get it from them directly. Whichever makes you happier. Okay. And what's the best way for listeners to keep up with you online? Well, there are two ways. I have a Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough uh, author page on on Facebook, and uh, I have my website, as you've mentioned. And those are the two things. I mean, those are the areas where you can probably find what the hell I'm up to now. <laughs> and it, it can't – I do know that there is a mailing list on your website, so that's probably the best way, the single best way to keep up to date with what you're doing because I'm assuming that you send yes. out email messages and say – Hey, you loved my mystery. Well, You're going to really like this western that just came out. Well, and and I do have a uh, I have a reprint of my first western that's just out now too from Oakledge Press, which is an it's ebook and print on demand uh, trade paper for those who, who might be interested. Isn't it wonderful that that books have this new life now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I said twenty years ago that you know for those of us who are midlist writers like me. Uh, that the only salvation we were going to have as the length of time your your book spent on the shelves kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter was going to be the electronic backlist. And we're there now. Yes, we are finally there. Quinn, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an absolute delight. Well, I enjoyed it very much, too. You know, If you ever want me back, let me know, and I'll talk to you soon. I will do that. Thanks so much. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.crimefiction.fm. If you do stop by the website, please sign up for the email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Haunting Investigations from Chelsea Quinn Yarborough. Thanks for listening.